Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Gary Cohen, who is CEO of Kova Software. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what Kova does, and we're going to learn a little bit more about Gary. Gary, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So I love I love these kind of uh, you know situations where people are kind of intersecting other domains, so technology, uh, you know, things like that, into this cannabis space. So I'm curious to hear the story of the software system. But let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background, professionally, personally. How did what were you doing before you got into this space? Well, you know, it's it's a curious thing that I'm doing what most people dream of doing for the second time, which is. I went into the cellular industry on day one. So a funny thing is I'm sitting here in my office in Denver, Colorado. Uh-huh. Caddy Corner across the street was my first office for the telephone company for U.S. <laughs> West Cellular. Yeah. And, um, you know, I sold the first cell phone in 86 and then rode that industry for about 30 years. Yeah. You know, until two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. And I want, you know, I was the geeky guy who wanted to know why we're doing what we're doing and how it's working and and just never stopped studying the growth of that industry. And um, I've got a background in finance and marketing. Uh-huh. So it all was fascinating to be even before introduction in the conception of a new industry. And then, you know, here I am all these years later in another brand new industry that will become part of the fabric of how we live and work yeah. in the in the world. So that's my background. I was a tech guy for 30 years, mm-hmm. went from the phone companies for 14 years for Verizon and AT&T. Then I worked for uh, research companies like Nielsen mm-hmm. for another 16 years 
either doing startups in the wireless research analytics area, mm-hmm. which ultimately led me to a partner I had in Canada called IQ Metrics. It's a giant retail software company for the cellular phone industry, specifically point of sale systems for cellular. Got it. And um, and I know I'm just kind of tying these these yeah. two threads together, but you know, as the years were going on, they wanted to diversify into other segments. And we had a really good working relationship for years and years. And one day they said, you know, we got to figure out how you can come work for us. And uh, and then, by the way, what do you know about the cannabis industry? <laughs> and as an aside, of it is, I'm a Colorado guy. So a lot of kids I grew up with actually went into the industry. Yeah. Then I was living in California for 19 years and a lot of neighbors and friends and acquaintances, uh-huh. both in tech and in the pure cannabis industry were, you know, I was still Mr. Curious. Tell me about this new industry you guys are doing on the medical side yeah. going back 15, 16 years ago. So when they asked, what do you know? I said, well, I know a little bit more than the average guy, but I can't, can't say I'm an expert of any sort. And um, what I did was I called my friends in Colorado and California and and said, tell me about the industry and specifically tell me about the technology that's used in the cannabis space, you know, specifically software and, and then going into retail. And from every angle, everybody said they all suck. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. And this was a few years, you know, three years ago. And, um, and a lot of it was that it was homegrown. It was, you know, three guys in a garage saying we could do this. And not that they made bad products or bad software or had bad concepts, but it was so organic and new and young and immature that in a high growth industry like this, they weren't creating ahead of what was needed. They were just trying to catch up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was the pain that everyone experienced. And I called back IQ Metrics and I said, I'm in. And I was working <laughs> in Wall Street, down in, living in New York, right by you. Yeah. And um, I quit my job and came back to Denver and started. We started Cova. Sorry, when was that? That was sixteen. Uh, three, three years ago, and then in the middle of 2016, we started working on the software and, and learning about the industry. Probably more importantly, trying to understand what should we build, yeah, and why, and then adapting a lot of what IQ Metrics had over to the cannabis industry, which I could go super deep into, but it turned out we couldn't really reuse much of the cellular stuff. Yeah. And I thought, you know, naively, I thought we could just change smartphone to strain <laughs> and manufacturer to grower and let's go. We're rocking and rolling. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to rock this industry. And it turned out between weights and measures, compliance, oh, yeah. regulatory, a perishable good. Yeah. You think about things like purchase limits and looping, and the next thing you know, it took almost two years to just get the minimally viable product that we could go to market with. Yeah, yeah. Having having been a software guy for a long time, it's easy to deceive yourself on <laughs> how, how similar things are or how not different things are uh, until you actually go to start programming and, and, and putting real pencil to paper on those things, so... Well, you know, I'll go back to the cellular cannabis. Yeah. So when I said I'm this lucky guy, I'm I'm at the ground floor twice yeah. in two high growth industries. Yeah. The similarities are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about that. I'm curious, like, you know, having having been at the early stages of cellular, what I guess what do you see as similar and, and maybe what do you see as different? Well, we the only thing different is the regulatory side of it. Okay. Okay. 
um, because it wasn't a controlled substance. It didn't have all the hair around it. Take that out of the equation. And what you have is almost the exact same entrepreneurial risk-taking profile of who went into the industry. And as a result, you know, and I go back to when we sold our first cell phone, we didn't run credit on people. We were just dying to get a customer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, and half of them didn't pay. And a lot of it was very poorly thought through, like, um, like the education side. Yeah. That is a great similarity. The early cellular education was you have to be very judicious about using this because it's 60 cents a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you want to just talk back and forth on your commute, you know, it's going to be a thousand dollar bill. Yeah. And then the negative publicity and, yeah. you know, fallout and churn and all that. And I look at, you know, for example, you look at Oklahoma right now, which is just a new Wild West experience. And we're working down there. We're selling tons of stores and their education level is so unbelievably low that selling the software and the solution and how we can help them versus the fundamentals of retailing and cannabis controls and how to do it the right way. Exactly like cellular. How do we, you know, how do we provide an ROI on something that we've never even thought of before. Yeah. And the people in Oklahoma have no, re- most of them have no retail or cannabis experience at all. So so do you find that you're spending just as much time kind of training and consulting them on how to run their business as much as just providing them the software solution? Because how do, how do you deal with that situation? It sounds like you've got a software solution that is reasonably sophisticated, that you're applying it to uh, an entrepreneur or to a business owner who's not so sophisticated right now. That's exactly right. You know, what wound up happening was we only sell in markets where we fully meet all the regulatory requirements. So I've got leads from every corner of North America, and we're only in Colorado, Washington, California, um, and Oklahoma, as well as all of the legal provinces or, or private retail provinces in Canada. So what happened was we got a ton of leads starting in about October in Oklahoma, and it wasn't on our radar. Um, (laughs) <laughs> wasn't anything we were going to worry about or think about. And, you know, and, and really because it's a medical market, it's the first red state. So we we made a bad assumption that this is going to be super highly regulated and difficult. And difficult means we've got to do a lot of development work yeah. to do everything they need. So these leads are pouring in. And I went online. I tried to learn about the laws and regulations and there were next to none. So then we got our attorney and I said, look, I'm, I'm missing something. So then I'm paying this guy hundreds of dollars an hour and he goes through it all. He goes, they don't have any laws. They <laughs> have been handing out licenses without laws. Wow. So in Oklahoma right now, there's over 800 retail licenses that have been distributed. And to put that in perspective, call or Washington only has 400 dispensaries. And Washington's three times bigger than Oklahoma. So they're handing these things out like donuts. <laughs> and all you need is $2,500, an Oklahoma driver's license, some piece of real estate to say this is where it's going to be. Yeah. And it's a thousand feet from a school and a clean criminal record. Yeah. And you're good to what go. Do you, want to do? do you want to grow, process, <laughs> or retail? So, anyhow, to make a long story short, I asked my salespeople, I go, can you set up some meetings down there? And I, I'm just going to fly down and learn about what's going on. 
And I met with five potential retail, you know, five licensees in Oklahoma City and then three in Tulsa, came back to Colorado and called our called a meeting and said, they don't know anything. (laughs) It's unbelievable. They don't know. When I talked about compliance, it was an unknown thought of what you, you're probably going to need to do at some point about retailing and how do you set up a store and what should you be thinking about for a cannabis dispensary, you know, like from a security standpoint uh-huh. and from a loss prevention, you know, and just basic core concepts. Yeah. So to answer your question, what did we do? I said, and we've never done this. I said, why don't we do some seminars? Oh, yeah. Promised not to make them sales pitches whatsoever. They're purely educational and we'll invite people for, you know, it'll be free. And I go, look, if we get 10 or 15 people, it's a success. Yeah. And we'll do one in Oklahoma City and one in Tulsa. So the first week of November, no, I'm sorry, the first week of December, we had 30 people in Oklahoma City, (laughs) 35 in Tulsa. And, um, and it was, you know, we had to keep expanding the room because more people kept RSVP. Yeah. We're doing it again next week. And we've got those same numbers already. Yeah. And I mean, they're just starving for education, knowledge. So that's how we're doing it. Yeah. And then in the whole COVA process, there's they're getting an, an enormous amount of training. So it's it's the software, but it's also best retail practices and setting them up for the compliance and how they mm-hmm. do their reports to the Oklahoma Marijuana Authority. And yep. Well, and I, I, I think that, you know, it's an interesting situation where you're actually having to kind of educate and train your customer up, up to a level where they can take advantage of the, the software that you provide. Give us an overview of the software. I mean, in terms of, you know, what areas or, or from a solution point of view, what are you focusing on? What part of the of the supply chain are you um, kind of entering or, or you know, providing solutions for? Like, give, give us a sense of what Kova focuses on. Well, that parent company of ours has 84% of all the retail cellular stores okay. in North America. So in 20 years, they wound up building it in a way that it's easy to learn, easy to use. And that's the front end and the back end. So in our industry, we took those best development UI UX processes, applied that to Kova so that bud tenders could, um, within like five or 10 minutes, it's, it's really simple, straightforward. That's the front of the house. The back of the house is, and this is the other similarity and why we went here, the cellular industry is the single most complex retail software environment in all of retailing. Yeah. So when you think about going into a cell phone store, Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile or any of them, you're, they're running your credit, they're looking up rate plans, they're figuring out hardware, which changes in its cost and commissions and all that. Then you've got warranty, insurance, et cetera. And then every carrier does it differently. Yeah. So it's super fragmented. There's a reason these guys have so much share compared to Oracle or NCR, someone else coming into the cellular world, because it's a pain. When you look at the cannabis industry, you have almost the exact same complexity. So when you ask that question, what do you do in the software? I get asked all the time, why can't I just go buy some 7-Eleven software? But in the legal states, whether it's medical or rec, you have um, seed to sale tracking, which ultimately means as a retailer, you're that last point in the supply chain. So everything you order and bring into the store needs to adhere to that tracking of all of the cannabis products Mm -hmm. using batch tracking. 
which is messy. You have states like Colorado where they still sell bulk flour or, or loose cannabis. So you might have a deli style where people put it on a scale and, you know, I want $10 or I want two yeah. grand. Yeah. You got to weigh it out. And by the complex part of that is if I bring a pound in the back of the store, yeah. I'm going to divide that into eighths, quarters, halves, roll joints out of it. Mm-hmm. Each one of those products you're making on site needs to have all that batch tracking go with each one of those and labeling and barcodes. So the software needs to be able to create new products in the store. Yeah. Okay. Then you've got this element of when you open a pound of pot and you start dividing it out, you weigh everything at the end. It doesn't weigh a pound. (laughs) There's a shrink in there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, here you have a product that dries out incredibly fast. So as it loses its moisture, it loses its weight. Yeah. Well, the government doesn't care about that. They, you had a pound come in the back door. What happens going out the front door? Uh-huh. So you need to adjust for it. And you need capabilities to make a report that goes to the state, in this case, Colorado. Uh-huh. It says of that pound, you know, three or four grams blew away. You know, someone yeah. opened the door while we were weighing it, blew off yeah. on the floor. The air conditioning came on, blew yeah. off the table. And you need to account for that. Yeah. I think that the marijuana-specific capabilities blow people away because they don't think about it until you're an operator. Yeah. But, you know, we have this thing in this industry called looping. Okay. Looping means someone goes in a store, buys the maximum they could buy, Mm -hmm. goes out to their car, waits 15 minutes, comes back in. (laughs) Now, how do you prevent that? Well, if you count on your bud tinder or let's say they just change shifts. Yeah. So no one's in the store that was there 15 minutes or an hour ago. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you stop that? Mm-hmm. How do you catch people with bad IDs? Mm-hmm. How do you keep people from buying over their limit? So that's another really hard problem to solve because I walk into a store and I want two of those drinks with a hundred milligrams each. I want four cookies. I want some concentrate for my vape pen. Yeah. And I want a half ounce of that kosher kush. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, do you really think a bud tender can do all those conversions in their head yeah. To say, mm, all that stuff is less than 28 grams. Yeah. So what you really want is, is they're entering it into yep. the sale? Is it calculating and stopping it and saying, well, can't put any more in the basket? Or another way to think about it, and this is a great business solution, is what if someone fills their basket with 20 grams of or equivalent of product? Yeah. Does the software notify the the person at the counter say, hey, you can still get eight more grams. Yeah, exactly. I'll sell you this or that, or yeah. you can get two more drinks. That's where the complexity kicks in. And I think that what people underestimate is the nuances of California versus Oregon, Oregon versus Washington, Washington versus Colorado, the laws and regulations as this industry tries to become legitimized. Yeah. Every state is taking the input from the market and saying, we'll go ahead and adapt. Mm-hmm. So they're going to change the laws or regulations. And they have for every three to six months, something tweaks or changes. And if you're a good software provider to that retailer, it's adaptable. Yeah. So in real time, I'll give you a great example. Like here in Denver, the city of Denver would only let you sell cannabis till eight o'clock. But then you have a suburb right across the street. Mm-hmm. They're open till 11. 
So you've got all these owners in Denver saying, you know, this isn't fair. You know, I'm losing <laughs> all this business. And, yeah. you know, some people just might not ever come back to my store. They're just going to go to that store right across the street. Yeah. So they petitioned Denver for a change in the hours. And Denver did it. Well, one of the things we built into the software was if you're not allowed to sell past eight o'clock, but you have to report every sale with a timestamp and what you sold and when you, mm-hmm. you know, when you sold it. If I've got someone who locked the door at a quarter to seven or a quarter to eight, but didn't ring that transaction up till eight oh five, and now I submit it to the state in real time, I just reported my own violation. Yeah. And if I do it all the time, they're going to come shut me down. Yeah. So, Kova, can your software close down the cash registers at eight o'clock? Yeah. And then when they changed it to 11, can we modify it to 11? Yeah. You bet. So you, you find these nuances in every jurisdiction that keep changing all for the purpose of this, in, you know, legitimize this industry and make it clean and transparent. And that's what we do. Yeah. And I'm curious how much, I mean, I, I, I see the kind of the necessity around compliance and reporting, you know, to kind of stay within the bounds of, you know, laws and legislation. I see the kind of the operational management, you know, making sure that things are efficient, are, are tracked properly, you know, are, are properly, um, you know, processes are enforced in the right way from an operations standpoint. I'm really curious about this retailing side, because I think that's, that for me, this is the one area that is, it, I started as an architect, got into software, and so very focused on customer experience and user experience. And I still feel that the, you know, the, the dispensary experience is fairly uh, rough. <laughs> And I'm curious what you're doing in terms of the software side to help the customer experience. I mean, you, you mentioned it a little bit with the idea of the upsell, like, hey, you still have eight grams left. What else do you see either that you're doing or opportunities to really help the dispensary create uh, a positive, supportive customer experience for the buyer, for the user when, they're go, when they go through the retailing process? Well, um, I think that's one of our biggest value adds is this was built on an open API platform which made it very easy to integrate with partners. And so that's part one. We can pull, a partner could be a media company that pulls cannabis-specific or or media-specific information into the store. I think more importantly, we build Cove in a way that it's built for an omni-channel experience. So we can use our software as the hub to feed menu boards with real-time updates of what's available, what the cost is, program it so that as you get down to your last five, pull it off the menu board. Oh, and also pull it off of the inventory that we display on our website. So for that online search and discovery, everything is real-time and updated. There's another technology we developed that's very unique. We're the only ones with it called Express Checkout. Meaning in a high volume store, can you bypass the lines, go to a tablet, self-shop, self-select, place the order, send it to the back, have someone pick pack and put it in a bag for you. And you're in and you're out. Um, So there's another aspect that we didn't talk about, which is the way that we architected Kova is that any point during the customer experience, you can get more information about the products you're looking at. Okay. So Cove is tablet-based. And in just kind of like an Apple store, you could get out from behind the counter and walk around and either fill a basket with the customer or you have a catalog in your hand. And if the guy says, well, what's the difference between this bubblegum cush and this Gorilla Glue? We can open it up. We can look at the profile. Uh, of, yeah. 
what is that what is that product or what are the characteristics of it if there's labs so if there's lab results with mm-hmm. the THC CBD um, when was it grown when was it harvested we can look at all that information if it helps the customer on their journey I think that from a retailing standpoint one of the great things is we're an enterprise software company that's bringing an enterprise solution to the industry that has never had that. And what's inherent in that is you come into my store right here across the street and we're out of that thing you want. But I can see on my tablet the availability across all our stores. Mm -hmm. So instead of sending you down the street or calling up, do you still have this or that? I can show you exactly what we have where to go get it, or if it's on order, here's what's on order, which usually takes a day or two days. Mm-hmm. So from an experience standpoint, we've built all these capabilities, not only on the product side, but you know, there's an, a loyalty aspect in this industry as well. So if I can keep track of your recent purchases, when you come back in, I can say, you know, how did that Nikon vape pen work for you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I really liked it, or I didn't like it. What didn't you like? Well, I, the batteries wore out really fast. Yeah. Well, let's go look at this other thing. So on the medical side, you have to do things like that. Mm-hmm. I need to know what's what's your medication yeah. and what's working. On the retail side, when you employ a CRM aspect of understanding who your customers are, what their habits are, not only in outreach marketing, but when they come in the store, can we create a better experience by you know helping guide them a, around their their habits and and preferences? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think this question, yeah. you know, what kills me in what you said is I always give the example of, you know, the early dispensaries were like early video stores, <laughs> you know, and it was a mom and pop and it was yeah. you know, 400 square feet. The only difference is there's not a curtain with porn behind it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's where it starts. It's with a little store. Yeah. But it, it's absolutely shocking the caliber and quality that's developed, especially in the four and five year old markets now, where they've gone from, you know, warehouse districts and bad neighborhood. Yeah. Where the only places a landlord would let a cannabis store operate mm-hmm. to class A, where yeah. you're in a brand new retail center. Or your freestanding giant monument sign, a million dollars of finish out. Yeah. And they're everywhere. So it's evolving. And this is different than cellular. It's evolving at a much faster rate. So I think the savvy retailers, like native here in Colorado, we have native roots. Mm -hmm. They're like the biggest retailer in in the US and Canada. And they run both the the operations on the back end, their grow, processing, manufacturing, all the way through to their retail, the consistency and quality in the in the products, in the look and feel of the retail experience. It's unbelievable. And there's a reason they've grown off themselves to such a degree, because all those best principles are being applied in this cannabis industry. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the future a little bit. I mean, where what do you think is coming down the pike in terms of, you know, kind of the next changes either to, you know, regulation or in terms of the development of the market or, you know, user bases and how how have you kind of strategically planned for some of these things? Like what do you what do you have in your backlog or what do you have in your strategic plans 
that to kind of respond to some of these things. What's your what's your guess? It's going to be the big changes over the next 12, 24 months. Well, I think there's a couple of things. First one, let's talk about governmental. I'm a true believer that in the next 12 months, they'll change the banking laws. Okay. I don't think they're going to recategorize cannabis during this administration. So I don't see that. But what I do see is the catalyst for the banking laws is not only the Democrats in Congress, but it's a real bipartisan issue. When I say an issue, there's a bipartisan agreement that that the way that this industry is being managed on the financial side is bad for everyone. It's bad for the government. It's bad for the owners, the business people. And ultimately, it's it's a bad uh, criminal aspect. So if you're going to force everyone to use cash and transact in cash, the catalyst I see is California. As this year progresses, California is going to kick in their enforcement more and more. Last year, they were unbelievably lax, which didn't drive the gray and black market out. But this year, it will. And what it'll do is force more and more cash through the cannabis system in the eighth largest economy in the world. And where is all the cash in the U.S.? It's getting flushed into the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have all these other states. And I know people talk about how we now have banking, but the banking is so limited and onerous. It's not widely available to everybody. So I have a feeling the Democrats are pushing the legislation. I think the Republicans will say it's a good, safe thing to do. You've probably talked to a million cannabis industry people, and they've talked about Section 280E. Uh And everybody, I mean, just in a nutshell, the fact that no one can deduct their business expenses in the operation of a cannabis business makes the owners feel like double taxation. And everyone thinks these guys are making ungodly amounts of money, and they're not. And the cards are kind of stacked against them. So my first point is the government. And that banking. So they'll add banking. They'll loosen it up so that you can take Visa and credit, Visa and MasterCard. And, yep. and honestly, that will be a huge um, relief for this industry. Yeah. The second thing I see happening, and Colorado is already the leader in it, and that's consolidation. Mm-hmm. So what you'll see, California has hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars parked waiting for the dust to settle jurisdiction by jurisdiction or whether county or city across California, they're still figuring out we're going to allow cannabis in our city or not. Mm-hmm. And until they figure that out and then the state starts issuing the licenses, which is a big bottleneck right now, once everyone knows this is a legal dispensary, a legal licensed dispensary, then the big money is going to start gobbling up the real yeah. the real players. And um Right now, there's too much uncertainty location by location. So it's not happening yet. Colorado is so far ahead of the game. We've probably got 15, 10 plus store operators. Mm. Places like Washington, they have a limit. You can only have five retail. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to see consolidation go at a faster and faster rate. And all of those principles of economics will kick in. You know, the strong will buy the weak or the weak will get pushed out. Mm Mm-hmm. In Oklahoma right now, it's such a land grab that, and there's no laws yet. Yeah. So if I was going to go down there and try to buy up, you know, five or 10 prime locations, I don't know what the laws are going to be. Yeah. I could wind up buying an empty bag of dust because you can't have a store, you know, in um, Bartlesville. Yeah. You know, so Bartlesville's out. 
Yeah. Or some funky law that says stores can't be a thousand feet from each other. Yeah. So the other guy got the license first. I'm out. But once the dust settles, you're going to see consolidation in every one of our markets. Yeah. I and think that, that will change the dynamics of scale. Yeah. It's interesting times. I mean, I, and I think that's, you know, one of the reasons this space is so fascinating from a business entrepreneurial point of view is there, you know, th- this kind of craziness and dynamics, you know, is is painful on one hand. It's also, you know, is opportunity, you know, so someone who's willing to kind of play some bets, you know, develop a good strategy around it so that they can take advantage of it, you know, can do some good business. Well, yeah. And I, and I don't want to paint the picture that you can't be a small operator and succeed uh-huh. because being a brand new industry, if you have a good, strong retail background or a great finance and operational background and you open one store as a savvy operator, you'll do great. Yeah. And um, I think that as we keep expanding, so you asked, I guess my third point, which I never told you it's going to have three, yeah. is, you know, you look at Michigan. So they're going to start in 2020. New York and New Jersey are both looking across the river at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Um, nobody wants to lose the tax money. To no, the exactly. Other. exactly. And uh, I had someone tell me that, that if you look at all the states surrounding New Jersey and include New Jersey, you have something like 22 million people. Yeah. So if New Jersey goes first, all the states around are going to have everyone just jump in their car, drive over, get what they need and oh. leave all that money in New Jersey. Yeah. And that's the impetus for Cuomo to kind of kick it into gear and say, <laughs> Let's get going on this. Yeah, exactly. Gotta, you don't want to miss on this boat. Yeah. Yeah. So someone like me is, I watch that on a daily basis. I want to know what's going on, who's going to blink. And then, I, you know, you can't start this industry with the flick of a switch. Yeah. Oklahoma is just hysterical because they really said go on September 1st. But if you plant the first seed on September 1st, you don't have any crops <laughs> yeah, exactly. in February. It's an agricultural product. Yeah. It is. It doesn't yeah. just appear out of nowhere yeah. unless it's illegal. Yeah, exactly. No, that's and that's the that's the irony of this whole thing is that the illegality creates these situations. But Gary, this has been great. We're going to hit time here. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, about Kova, what's the best uh, best source of information, best way to get it? Yeah, I would say go to www.kovasoftware.com. Dot com. Right. And it's got the one thing that we're kind of known for, and we've done, I'll pat myself on the back, we've yeah. done a great job, is educational information about the industry, about retailing. So we've published about 100 blogs, about 20 papers, two ebooks, right. like how to start a dispensary, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So if you go there, you can also, if you're in, you know, if you're a retailer or want to be a retailer and want to see Kova, it'll point you where you need to go. Yeah, awesome. I'll make sure that link is in the show notes here so people can click through. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Great conversation. I love, you know, being a tech person myself, I love people, you know, kind of in the tech space that are looking at how do we really create systems that are going to solve these problems. So it was an enjoyable conversation. I appreciate the time. Uh, thank you. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.